Welcome to Office Hours with a Physio. For everyone out there working around the clock to create a class session, grade a paper, analyze data, plan for the next service meeting, and treat a patient, these stories are for you. Our second episode explores the experiences of Dr. Gail Jensen and was recorded on October 28, 2022 at ELC in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for the Academic Faculty's Special Interest Group Business Meeting. For all of our listeners out there, Dr. Gail Jensen is the Vice Provost for Learning and Assessment, Dean Emerita, and Professor of Physical Therapy at Creighton University. She has garnered national and international recognition for her scholarly contributions to expert practice, clinical reasoning, professional ethics, and interprofessional education with more than 90 publications in peer-reviewed journals and co-authoring 13 books so far. Recently, she led the research team that completed a national study of excellence and innovation in physical therapist education. This was funded by the American Physical Therapy Association and several of the APTA's academies with the Vision for Excellence in Physical Therapy released in the Journal of Physical Therapy Education in 2021. But the journey to this point didn't happen overnight. And with that, let's listen to the inspiring story of Dr. Gail Jensen. Well, once upon a time, I I would say that uh, my academic journey actually started, I think, before I went became a physical therapist. Uh, I finished uh, uh, college and uh, had started out as a a, a PT major and changed my PT major to physical education because I was a pre-Title IX kid. Uh, so I had no opportunity to do sports when I was in high school, and so there was some uh, opportunity for sports when I was at the University of Minnesota. Uh, and so what I did when I finished school, finished, uh, got my B, uh, BS degree, I taught school for a few years, and I thought, I don't want to coach field hockey for the next 10 years of my life. I, I mean, I wanted something more. And so I went back to my freshman, this is a true story, I went back to my freshman advisor, Helen Scullin, who was in the PT department. And this is, this is the value of mentors. So I, I called up Helen and I said, you know, I, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I want to be a physical therapist. She said, great. She took me to the faculty club at the University of Minnesota and she said, okay. She said, now I think you need to get a master's degree. You already have a bachelor's degree. You've been teaching school for three years. You, you really need to apply to these programs. You need to apply to Duke and USC and Stanford and, and I'll write you recommendations. And Whoa, <laughs> I, I, had, I had no idea. You know. And then you need, to, you, know, you need to take these prerequisite courses and get ready. I was like, I can't believe it. So Helen, really, I stand on her shoulder. She opened the door and she said, yes, you don't want to come to the University of Minnesota at that time and get a second bachelor's degree. That's not what you want to do. So there, what happened then is uh, I got into Stanford. I knew nothing about Stanford at all. Uh, a true story, and I, uh, I was teaching school in a private school, St. Paul Academy and Summit School, and uh, if you know anything about that school, it is a, uh, it's a college prep school, so many of the faculty uh, knew all about Stanford and others, and I said, well, I think I'm going to, you know, I, I, got, I, got, I got accepted at Stanford, so I, but it's really expensive, and they go, oh my God, you got accepted at Stanford, are you? And I go, well, yeah, but it's in California. <laughs> And I had done my interview in Chicago. At that time, Stanford interviewed in Chicago, New York, 
so just serendipity. Uh, but I, I would also say that you know you can take the girl out of Minnesota, but you can't take the Minnesota girl. That's that's a little bit of why I do too many things sometimes. <laughs> but back to my story about education. I was I was really drawn to physical therapy, and I remember on my physical therapy application saying. Well, it just seems to me that therapists, you know, they get to do this great stuff and learn about the human body and understand and connect with people, and uh, that's teaching. And I remember saying that in my interview, and I still believe that, that therapists are just extraordinary teachers, uh, and what, what fun. So, so that was really where I started. And then when I, um, uh, went, when I went to PT school, and I, uh, and I finished PT school, and I, I did the um, PNF course right after PT do you want me to give dates? <laughs> uh, but I have to say, I, 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 okay. I, you know, I do, I do have to say that, it, and I, I'm fond of saying this, it does make a difference where you go to school, particularly where you go to professional school, health professions school, because that professional formation is quite powerful. And I think to myself, if I had not had Helen Scollin, Miss Scollin, you know, telling, you know, saying, you need to apply here, and I, I, I wouldn't be where I am today if I would not gone to Stanford. I mean, it was just the way I was touched by mentors about, at that time, an entry-level master's degree program. You know, we're preparing change agents. You're going to do something different. You're going to learn about research. You're going to do... After finishing her bachelor's degree from the University of Minnesota and then her master's degree in physical therapy from Stanford, Dr. Jensen had to grapple with the sudden choice of pursuing being a clinician, or going on for more degrees. But even with choices, sometimes opportunities lead you to the best of both worlds. So when I finished PT school, I this is another story, I remember going, uh, uh, I had been very much um, uh, interested. We had Maggie Knott, I don't know if you know Maggie, Maggie Knott, PNF, at that time Maggie was still alive, and she came down and did our therapeutic exercise. And I was so smitten with, oh my God, this is great. And she said, well, you can come to Vallejo and you can do a six-month course. And so after I graduated, I think I should do that. And I remember going to Barbara Kent. Uh, and Barbara was, was our clinical educator person, but Barbara was a very hands-on, great teacher. Uh, um, uh, we all lived in fear of Barbara Kent. Uh, uh, but Helen Blood, who was the director of the program at that time, I, so Barbara said, you should do this. You really need to build your clinical skills and get this clinical experience. And Helen Blood said to me, no, Gail, you know, what you really should do is you should think about going and getting master's degrees out of Boston. And I'm like, no, I want, I, I want to be a physical therapist. That's what I want. So I, I, it was a great decision. So I went to, I did the six-month uh, PNF course. I did an additional, I stayed about a year there, and I did a lot of work in, in um orthopedics manual therapy. Uh, and, and the other thing that happened at, at, at Vallejo was uh, the, there were a lot of international students there, and they came to really see rehab, and I was just smitten. You know, I was into manual therapy, orthopedics, Syriax. You know, I, I took courses from Syriax. I took courses from Colton-Born. I've you know, been around a long time. But these therapists wanted to learn rehab, and they didn't want to work in the outpatient clinic, so I took all their patients. <laughs> It was, it was pretty, pretty good. So then the, the story here, the connection here is in coming, uh, finishing that up and then coming uh, back to the Bay Area to uh, Menlo Park, Palo Alto, around Stanford. It was, uh, I got a clinic position, uh, but I was still kind of, you know, I had this PNF skill and 
the way to get your foot in the door with an academic program is to teach in the lab. Well, I, you know, I was a PNF expert, right? I spent a year there. And so that got my foot in the door in the, uh, in the academic world. Now, another Helen Bled story. <laughs> so, so I was working in an outpatient clinic, and I was uh, one of these therapists that had to do the, you know, I covered the skilled nursing facility, which I loved. I had a lot of autonomy there. And, and then I got a few hours in the afternoon to really do orthopedic outpatient coming back to the clinic. Uh, but they let me do some work, lab work with, with Stanford, with the, with the program. And in a couple of years, I worked there two years, uh, and then there was a position, kind of a, a position, a part-time position at Stanford in the PT program, the program I had gone through. And Helen Blood said, well, you know, you should apply for it. But I, I also applied, there was a part-time position at the hospital. So the hospital position was a 50% time position. And the position at the, at the PT program for Helen was 60%. And I said to Helen, I said, that's 110%. And she said, yeah. <laughs> she said, I got to keep this, now knowing what I know about administration, she wanted to keep that 60% of her line, right? So, you know, come on, you, know, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it was keeping faculty lines, the value of diversity of ideas, or even those hard conversations you have to have and the lessons of teaching with mentors, Dr. Jensen began to notice the many lessons academia had to teach and the inspiring innovation that could come from it. Uh, so that was that was that was great. Uh, but I, I also, you know, I also would say and have learned that there is something about the importance of diversity of all sorts on your faculty. So when you've been a student, graduate of a program, you go back to that program, and people are very comfortable with that philosophy. And uh, it makes things easy. But then when you bring other people in, it's that kind of important deliberative discussion. And that can raise, that can raise issues. And I, I remember as a young faculty member, I was young once upon a time, <laughs> having to do something different from one of my mentors, from Barbara Kemp. I taught some in the areas she taught. And I was, I, trying to teach like her was just help. You know, I, it was worthless. I mean, it was very unsuccessful. So I had to get my, my own stuff. Uh, and so that was, a, that was a learning curve for me. Uh, and then, I, you know, Kay Shepard was there. I had wonderful mentors that um, really opened my eyes and opened doors for me. And then I, I um, when the Stanford program was being phased out, that was another learning experience for me to learn how, how organizations make decisions. So if you are not, um, if you don't have good relationships and coalitions within any organization, uh, you can be, you can go away, you can be cut out, you can be amputated from the organization. And that's what happened to the, to the division, to PT. We were good, but we, and we, we were very student focused, but we were not well connected to the rest of the university or the medical school. Uh, and, and, you know, everything happens in this world because of relationships. So that's a, that's a real takeaway uh, that I had. But I, I was, again, just truly blessed by, um, so I applied. Uh, Kay Shepard had done the doctor PhD program at, at Stanford in the School of Ed and encouraged me. So I, I applied to that program. And just by total serendipity, uh, I was assigned to Lee Shulman as my advisor. If you know anything about Lee, Dr. Shulman, Lee at that time had just moved from the Michigan State University where he had done the, uh, he had been involved in classic work on medical problem solving with Art Elstein. 
And uh, what happened is he, when he came to, to Stanford, he, put, he had some medical background. So, oh, here comes Jensen's physical therapist. Yeah, you, you're going to work with, with Lee. And uh, what a godsend. I mean, Lee was, he came to Stanford and said, you know, I've, I've spent my entire career as an educational psychologist doing all this experimental correlational studies, and we still don't understand what happens with students and learning and inside classrooms. So I'm going to be doing qualitative work, and so will you if you're going to, if I'm going to be advisor. <laughs> and it, it, it was just, just amazing. And then I had, I was so touched in my doctoral work by um, people like Nell Nodding's, you know, the ethic of care, uh, Elliot uh, Eisner, who did just an incredible uh, curriculum theorist. So uh, you don't realize it at the time what kind of imprint you get from these these kind of men with these incredible scholars, but then you you realize when you're out, it's like, oh my God, this is the way I think. You know, it, it puts a, uh, it, it really moves the way you, the way you think. So uh, just really, really, um, uh, it, it was really impressive. Not all time in academia is spent in one location. Sometimes the unthinkable can happen. And in this case, Dr. Jensen was forced to follow new opportunities that would help pave new ways and broaden her horizons. I learned a lot about academics and what happens in universities by, think, you know, when things happen that are bad, you also learn from that. And so the, uh, the closing of the Stanford program was, a, was just so awful. Uh, and, you know, we drank a lot of Chardonnay, let me tell you. We did. And, um, and, and we tried to keep the group together because we knew we did something special, but the medical school wanted no part of us. And I, I remember sitting around the table with the, the dean, the associate dean of medicine, not the dean of medicine, the associate dean of medicine. And Helen Blood was there. She was not, she was on the faculty. She wasn't the director. John Majerus was. But, um, and he said, well, you know, we just, you work so hard, but you have no Nobel laureates. You're just not the quality that we need, and you're not central to our mission. And I remember Helen Blood saying, uh, have we gone through due process here? And you could see him go, oh my gosh, this woman knows about legal issues. <laughs> <laughs> so that gave us a little bit more time so that they gave us some phase-out money. It helped me with my, my doctoral study. Uh, but a, a powerful moment for me was we, we tried to, uh, we were going to try to do a startup at um, University of Pacific at uh, Stockton. And uh, we got all the way down, uh, you know, we visited there and they showed us houses and things, and then all of a sudden they turned around and said, well, we don't want to work with you guys. That was a crushing blow, and then Kay Shepard uh, moved to Temple. Uh, but what stays with me is uh, Ann Piscasio, who at that time was had just stepped down at being the dean at the University of Pittsburgh. Ann was one of these early on, really systems thinker kind of people, and Ann came and spent uh, some consulting time with us. And I remember her, I can still see myself sitting in the conference room, and she said, you know, this is a very exciting time for all of you, but it's it's such an opportunity for all for the profession. She said, "You are all you're going to go different places, and you're going to bring those ideas and that innovation, and you're going to plant seeds across the country." It's like she was right. I didn't, you know, I thought, "No, you know, yeah," but but she was absolutely absolutely right. I mean, Kay went to Temple. Uh, another person, Annie Helm, stayed out in California, you know, and then I went to Temple for a year, and then went to. Um, uh, UAB for uh, about four years um, and was touched by those people. 
uh, Marilyn Gossman and that crew. Marilyn Gossman, if you remember Marilyn, that sounds like a history lesson. Yeah, Mar Marilyn, best recruiter in the world. Uh, when I was at Temple University, it was a bachelor's program. They had not moved to a master's degree. So I was, I'd kind of followed Kay in a way. She was influential and I was really unhappy. And uh, my partner, Judy, had a great job working with uh, PIPT with Lori Hack and Carol Otis. And she liked her job, but we didn't like Philadelphia. And Marilyn used to call me every couple of weeks. How are you doing up there, Gail? How do you like Philadelphia? Huh? How is it? Yeah, how, how's the smog? How's the, you know? And then she would invite me down. You know, I, we'd want you to come down and do a workshop. Marilyn, the best recruiter in the world. And so, I, you know, always finally, yeah, I think we should do this. Judy didn't want to go, but we, but I, Marilyn wrote me my contract. This is another good story for women. Uh, she said, we, I was agreeing to go. And, you know, she, so she said, okay. Uh, what do you want to make? And I said, well, I don't know. And I, I gave her a number, I don't know, 38000 or something. And she goes, oh, my God, Gil, you've got to make more than that. And I was like, whoa, oh, this is nice. <laughs> you, know, you, know, I, you know, it was an opportunity. And so she literally, she wrote the number on a napkin. And I kept that napkin for a long, long time. Uh, so going there was another uh, experience. And so I was an outsider to their kind of very tight culture. Uh, but I, I liked it, and I had opportunity there. I've never been a program director. That's the other thing. I've headed up programs, uh, uh, graduate programs, uh, but I've really been able to do what I love, which I think is another secret. Uh, I love new things, as you know. I love models. I love innovation. I love, what are we going to do next? How are we going to change this? How are we going to disrupt this? And that's really Stanford. Uh, that's kind of the Stanford culture. Um, so in Alabama, I was able to head up the uh, struggling kind of master's degree program and get get a lot of uh, cl clinicians, colleagues through their uh, getting finishing their master's de degrees, um, and it was it, it was really a good experience. But then we wanted to go back to California, so we moved back to California, uh, and I was at Samuel Merritt for a couple of years. Uh, and headed up the uh, helped them with their research arm. Uh, Judy had a great job at Kaiser. That was good. And um, I had another kind of new program, working with a new program. Throughout these experiences, Dr. Jensen continued to learn and follow opportunities. Her pathway led her to Creighton, where pursuing innovation and being a pioneer continued to be a possibility. Uh, but then what happened is uh, I was on the editorial board and, Gary so and knew Gary Soderbergh through that. And Gary uh, was starting the, had uh, opportunity was starting the first DPT program at Creighton University. And Geneva Johnson had been the consultant uh, to Creighton to start this. The dean at that time had pulled in Geneva. So I, I was part of a consulting group, as well as Joe Threlkeld, that was brought in the summer of 1992. And Joe was hired right away, and I was hired a year later, one of the founding faculty. Uh, and to me, that to go to Creighton, I knew nothing about Creighton except they had a baseball team and they were in Nebraska, even though I grew up in Minnesota. And uh, it, the other thing that, that was part of this is uh, Ruth Pertillo at that time was at Creighton. She had, uh, she had been in Boston and she came back uh, to Nebraska to be with uh, her husband, uh, Fart Johnson, and Ruth was heading up the Ethics Center there. So she, she helped kind of recruit me in, in, in a way. Um, and to be on the floor of starting a DPT program, having been through the entry-level master's degree program, is like, oh, this is a great idea. Uh, uh, but we were certainly out on the, on, the, on the bleeding edge. So um, 
so that was, uh, and I, and I've been at Creighton 20, I don't know, 29 years. And one thing that has happened to me in my career now is, as I've moved into um, administrative roles, I've been able to really use my PhD as an education evaluation and minor in sociology. So I've been able to use those, those that level of skill, of knowledge and skill a lot uh, uh, in my administrative work. And, and I've fallen in, you know, the other things, things just happen to me. I don't know that. Uh, you know, in the in the school of pharmacy and health professions, I was uh, I had opportunity to uh, do interprofessional work, and we had an associate dean for research, Charlotte Rowen, uh, an OT, very skilled grant writer. And so the two of us, we wrote four successful first federal grants during a period of time, and and that uh, that led to the dean saying, you know, you should do some. We want you to do some administration. So I. Uh, I was able to still stay connected to the department, but become an associate dean for pathway development assessment, which was really in my wheelhouse. But the other thing I would say, I have another story. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I don't tell, tell my story very often. Yeah. So um, I, loved, I loved being the associate dean for faculty development assessment because it was really in my wheelhouse. I was still, um, uh, oh, and I skipped something. I, <laughs> I did skip something because I, uh, I told you I've never been a program director, but when we started the trans the online transitional DPT program, I I was asked to head up that uh, distance program, and that was oh that's great. It was innovative, it was new, and uh, we had some really great great therapist colleagues go through that. From that, I be, uh, I uh, had the associate dean position, and which I really liked doing. And uh, uh, a colleague of mine, uh, also a friend. Uh, Barb Braden had been, was the dean of our graduate school at Creighton, and she was going to step down. She was going to retire. And she said, Gail, you, you really need to apply for this uh, dean of the graduate school position. I said, why should I do that, Barb? I really like what I'm doing. No, 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 you should apply. We're doing a national search. You should apply. So finally, I applied. But well, if I don't get it, fine. I don't really want it. But, but then I got it. <laughs> and and um, so those opportunities just came. The, the other thing I would say about being an academic, this relationship piece, but also getting outside of ourselves. That's so important. And I have, I say this again and again, I, you know, I've done a lot of, I've done work with CAPTI and specialized accreditation. I did my dissertation on CAPTI on accreditation and how influential, one of the findings is how influential team leaders are in how a visit goes. Very important. And I've done a lot of, uh, institutional accreditation with the Higher Learning Commission. And I have learned so much in build. Networking is where it's all about, uh, and it's whether you're in any kind of uh, system. So I, I just had a great ride. And I, I, I say I'm on the off-ramp. I'm not done yet. But I, you know, I, liked, I like to see things happen and help people move forward and see lots of success. And I don't have to be first about anything anymore. <laughs> That's my story. At the end of the session, Dr. Jensen stayed for a question and answer series. This is one of those questions. What advice would you have for us who are trying to balance everything? Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, <clears throat> one is, you know, I, I, collaboration to me is, is everything. When you work in teams, the work is better. Is it a little messier and, and takes a little more time and energy? Yes, but it's always better, always better. Uh, the, the other thing is, is giving yourself permission to have some structure. We do this in both mini gamer and gamer is, uh, and I learned this from an OT colleague who, uh, Doris Pierce, who said, 
it, it was before it was before blackberries or pilots or whatever. And we had paper calendars. You remember those days? And and so she, you know, typical OT. She goes, "Oh, Gail, here. What kind of stickers do you want? And you put these stickers on your calendar when you're going to have your own time to work on your research or do, you know, reading or whatever. But then the collaboration, I think, brings the uh, the structure and it makes it you you can help each other, support each other. Uh, and the other thing is is just reaching out. I mean, I, you know, I tell people you should be unafraid to reach out to people within the discipline, outside, and other. Uh, and and hey, that's a great idea. We should do that. Well, why don't we do that? Uh, and then you got to say, are you talking more than you're writing? Because the the lasting the lasting piece is the dissemination is getting stuff written. That's and and, and that's again where collaboration really helps. So. And you don't have to have, you know, I say I've done education research on the bake sale model. I mean, you find, you find ways to get money and you piece together. And I, I remember when our team went, and it was uh, to meet with Lee Shulman. He was the president of Carnegie at that time. And he said, you know, I'm here to tell you it's hard to find money to do education research. It is very hard. And the other thing, it doesn't take a lot of money. You don't, you know, you're not buying, you know, treadmills and other things, right? You, uh, but it takes time, which is, which is money. But you know, you've got to find creative ways to bring things together. And he, he here's a guy who's, you know, really, uh, you know, at the top of his game saying that. It was very striking. Absolutely. And that's been, I think, the biggest take home for me over the past four years. Just reach out and ask. And Gail totally. Jensen may agree to come to your city and talk to you. <laughs> and share I, story. You know, the other thing I would say that's really important, and it's always been at my absolute center, is, yeah, I, I'm a physical therapist, and everybody on our campus knows I'm a physical therapist. And I say, oh, Gail, she's a dean. She's a no, I'm a physical therapist. And I, I do that in various ways, from like walking to a meeting a couple years ago with the dean of the medical school and saying, hey, Dunley, what's wrong with your hip? <laughs> Why do you know there's something wrong with your hip? My hip, I guess, because I'm a therapist and I'm watching you walk. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so I think that that identity is in it. And the other thing I think that um, I, I wish we could continue to do more of is we have some colleagues who are doing really, you know, really soaring. And we have a leadership thing tomorrow, a little advertisement, uh, on um, facing uncharted waters. And it's a panel. And we've got uh, Sandy Cassidy, who's a PT, who is the president now of Rockhurst University. Wendy Real was supposed to be, but she's sick. She's the president, Rosalind Franklin. Uh, we have our provost, uh, Mardell Wilson, who's a dietitian, who's at Creighton. And then we have Zohar Kapasi, who is a dean. But finding, we've got people who are out there, and we've got people doing IPE work. Uh, and I always say, you guys, you've got to get your foot back in the tent here. <laughs> you know, that they have much to, to share with us, too, and how we connect with them. We, we cannot be too insular. That's not good for us. That's all for our second episode. Thank you to Dr. Gail Jensen for giving us her time and inspiration. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite platform, and we'll see you next time for Office Hours with a Physio.